Hey everybody, welcome to So You Want to Be in Ministry. I'm Tim. We are all about getting people to the finish line that God put in front of them. We do that through educating you as you're uh, getting into ministry, equipping you while you're in, and then encouraging you to just keep on going, getting to that finish line that God's put in front of you. And I am excited to share uh, the interview with you today. Uh, we have Nicole. She is a missionary to France. Uh, looking forward to this interview. Uh, I met Nicole about six years ago. She was an intern with our church. Uh, we just struck up a conversation one day, and because uh, I was new to the church at that point, and we just—I felt like we just connected on a ministry level, where it's just like we understood each other, and it was just uh, kind of one of those refreshing conversations that you may have from time to time with uh, different ministry personnel. And I, through that, I found out she was going to go overseas, and uh, it's been exciting to watch how God has used her as she's gone overseas and gone to France. And I think uh, this is a different sort of interview. She's also uh, on the younger side. So I've had a lot of people that have had ministry uh, experience and, and they're coming more to the end or they have come like into retirement and kind of run that finish line of full-time vocational ministry. She's more at the beginning. And so if you wanted to hear from somebody that more has like, what do I need to know at the beginning of all of this? She's got a lot of those fresh eyes, fresh experience. Uh, it, and it was really refreshing to just kind of hear some of it, her enthusiasm uh, to serve Jesus and reach the people of France. So let's get into this interview today. Here's Nicole. Well, hey, Nicole, so glad that you joined me today. Uh, looking forward to this interview. You know, we, we got to meet uh, several years ago because we worked at the same church. You were an intern there for a little bit. Uh, glad we got to connect. And then you were off overseas. <laughs> and so uh, we get to continue the relationship through social media and stuff. And I get to see you every once in a while. But so glad that you were willing to join me today and, and talk about uh, doing some ministry overseas. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I'm really passionate about what you're doing with this podcast of making kind of the inside of our ministry lives um, visible um, to people. So I'm excited to be here with you today. Well, good. I'm glad that you enjoy it. Uh, and uh, I, I'm sure people watching on YouTube will know this. People that are just listening won't won't know this. So I'm just going to say it. But uh, you're not over 60 like many of the other people that I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have brought on the podcast. I wanted I wanted a, kind of the different generation. I wanted some fresh eyes in ministry because it do, it does happen a little bit differently on the younger level. And so I wanted to bring you in and you're a woman. And so I I was really excited uh to have you come on to be able to speak to some women out there that may be walking through what does ministry look like for them. Mm. Yeah, cool. No, thank you. Yeah. So why don't you why don't we get started? Why don't you tell me like what are the highlights? What are the bullet points of how you even got into ministry? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, my story starts um, pretty young, so that might be part of the unusual part. Um, but when I was about 12 years old, I really felt called to intercultural ministry. I didn't know where that was or what that looked like or if it was in America or somewhere else. I think my vision of the time was me skipping through fields in Africa, like singing songs to Jesus. Um, this like very carefree life where I would just enjoy Jesus all day long and probably never have to think about what I wear ever again. And um, then I kind of you know, years went by and I was growing up and I kind of forgot about that calling. But when it came time for me to go away to university, um, one of my mentors kind of popped back into my life and said, you know, hey, Nicole, like, I really do think that you're you're called um, to to full time ministry to missions. And um, and it really resonated with me again. I was like, yeah, you know, you're you're right, you know, and um, and so again, even without knowing what that really would look like um, or where that would be, and I won't lie, that that bothered me. I wanted to be able to plan my college education around exactly what position and where this would be. Um, but I remember praying on my high school graduation day and saying, okay, Lord, <clears throat> I trust that you will reveal to me where you want me to go when I need to know it. And so until then, I'm going to walk in obedience and I'm gonna pray about this and I trust that you'll do this. Well, 
good, thankfully for me, who is probably not the most patient person in the world. Um, he didn't take so long to start revealing that to me. Um, and so it was in my first couple of months as I went away to school that in all of my classes um, that should have had nothing to do with France from an outside perspective, um, that God began teaching me so much about France and every single one of them, um, both um, kind of the spiritual need that existed there and like breaking my heart, I would say, for this place, um, but also at the same time showing me ways in which my testimony and who I am would connect um, with this place, would fit um, in this culture, and ways in which it would be difficult for me, to be honest, um, and kind of led me through starting to work through some of that and submitting some of that to him. And then um, kind of a little bit later on, I stumbled into World Team, the organization that I work for um, now, and they were looking for, they just happened to be looking for volunteers to send to France the following summer um, as interns. And so right away, the Lord gave me a couple of steps kind of to take. And it was while I was in France for a few months that summer and praying with some other missionaries that God would send more workers to France that, that God really confirmed for me that I wouldn't just be coming back to France, but to, to Paris and kind of started revealing to me what this role um, might look like. And anyway, and so then I went back to school and finished up and right after graduation, I, I moved across the ocean. So <laughs> a few more steps in there, but <laughs> what was, what was your undergrad? I don't know if I've ever asked you that. Yeah. Great question. Um, it changed a few times and partly <laughs> that calling, um, but it was mainly, um, organizational business communication with some missiology, Bible, and business and intercultural studies. Um, okay. what was it? Yeah. Yeah. No French. <laughs> uh, God took care of the French stuff without any French classes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So with you, you mentioned spiritual need of France. I, th I think mm -hmm. this would be true of me. It might be mm -hmm. true of Americans or at least uh, evangelical Christians in America. When I think of France, I tend to think of heavily Catholic, uh, you know, lots of connections to Catholicism and popes and like so mm -hmm. much depth on the religious side. Absolutely. What is the spiritual need in France? Yeah. Um, well, as far as to start it off, I guess, as far as it goes with um, the evangelical or Protestant population um, in France, there's really less than 2% of the population that's that's evangelical or Protestant. Um, when you go to Catholicism, you do see numbers that would say somewhere around 33, 35% of people still identify as being mm -hmm. Catholic. That's been on the decline the mm -hmm. last few years. Um, and, but even amongst those, only 7% of the population in France um, is considered practicing Catholics, which is defined by going to church, going to mass twice a month. Um, and so if you want to kind of use that as a determining factor to maybe even look a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, further lower, even in the numbers to reduce that percentage a little bit more to go, you know, how many of those Catholics really have a relationship with, mm -hmm. um, with Jesus, you're looking even at a pretty small number amongst that population. Um, and while there are many, um, many, at least there's, there are, um, good, um, um, gospel preaching Catholic churches, mm -hmm. um, in France that does exist. Absolutely. Um, but unfortunately through the history of France, that isn't totally the, the normal case anymore. Yeah. So you're, I mean, you're almost looking at 10% best case scenario of people that may be following Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, Which, that's pretty optimistic, but yeah, yes. Yeah, best, yeah. best case scenario. Yeah. And the, the Protestant evangelical number is actually the highest that it's been in over 50 years as a oh. result of many um, intentional movements, both from within France and a number of missionaries um, coming in to support this effort. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that I, I had heard you say that before. That was surprising to me to hear those mm -hmm. statistics because that's not how I thought about uh, France. So it was very yeah. surprising to me. Um, so, yeah. And, go ahead. 
Oh, sorry. I was just going to add, I think, you know, there's definitely been times, this is probably my first vulnerable moment that I'll give you, you know, where I sit there too, and I struggle even, and I'll go, well, you know, people in France, you know, maybe they have like access in some way, you know, to the gospel, whereas like some other people group or population, maybe they, you know, don't like, am I, should I be with a more lost, you know, population than the population that I'm with? Does, does what I'm doing um, as a missionary, does it really count, um, <laughs> you know, in a place like that because of all these ideas that we have. And so even I, you know, wrestle with these things. Um, but I think for me, a lot of it where I find my like peace in all of that is that um, for me, the Lord has very clearly um, strong me and led me to exactly where I am. Um, so that's enough. <laughs> that's the end. Um, but even further than that, um, for me, um, and this is true in America too, right? People in America, they have, they have access, right? If they really went a far way and really searched and really went and made themselves uncomfortable and walked into a church, they could find the gospel. But the question is, um, how many of these people, yeah, don't have the gospel and don't have that desire and will never cross paths with someone who knows it and who knows it and loves it enough to share it with them. Yep. And it's a question of people and these, yeah, these lives that are around me and the fact that they won't, they won't know. So I had to walk through a little bit of that because uh, the churches that I have gone to have been in heavily churched areas or the church itself has been heavily like churched people. So like they've grown mm -hmm. up in church they're in a community heavily. Their circles are heavily churched people. And uh, my pastor and I at a previous church, we had to walk through that where we were like, okay, so pre-Christian and post-Christian, mm -hmm. how do you navigate those? And and the reality is you have to go to exactly where you went because if whether you're going into the Gospels or whether you're going into Revelation, so Gospels are pointing to Jesus is the one in a pre-churched you know, uh, culture. And in Revelation, mm -hmm. it's pointing back going, hey, you've missed some things in your church culture. Uh, both point to Jesus as, hey, that that's what you got to go back to, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And he's yeah. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, I've had to navigate that myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how? So what was the process like? Did you have to raise support? Did you just get to go? How, did, how does that all work in getting... For you, I know there's different stories for different people, but for mm -hmm. you, how did how did that work in getting to France? Yeah, um, great question. My path was a bit of an unusual one and partially revolving around um, kind of my age and my initial vision at the time. I actually um, decided to graduate a year early, even to leave and come to France. So with the vision of kind of first coming as a student to mm -hmm. be able to live the student life with other students and to connect with French people and French culture um, kind of in this deeper way. Um, and so that meant I still came as a world teamer in the beginning. And so that means that um, in being, you know, to be accepted and sent by this organization, um, that meant that I went through a, pro a pretty lofty process of, um, of interviews and of testing um, and yeah, all kinds of different things in that um, to be accepted, to be sent out with them. Um, and then, but um, unlike most of our missionaries who are required to raise full percent of 100% of their support need um, before leaving for the field, I was able to raise just a little bit of support to kind of help with ministry funds and different things as being a student um, reduced um, some of my costs and expenses for that first period. And right. then, um, yeah, and then while I was here um, over the first couple of years, I was able to raise the rest of that um, support to be full-time um, in ministry. Does a lot of your support come from individual, like people that you know, or that just have heard about your ministry or things like that? Yeah, great question. I think people, we tend to think that support based is mainly like it's the church's responsibility, yeah. um, which maybe, <laughs> um, I don't know that I'm the one to answer that question. 
Um, but I will say that the trend, at least over these last years, is that um, it's more individual based for most of us. And so my support, um, I have three different churches that support me on a regular basis, but the rest of it is covered by 70 to 80 um, individual people. And it's beautiful. It's either people that I've known for a really long time and that are precious friends and it means so much to have their support with me. Or it's these people that I almost don't know at all that God has moved on their hearts and called them to be a part of this. So every single one of those supporters is a beautiful story. And the cool part, I think, of it going this way is getting to have this personal relationship with my supporters and for them to get to really see and pray and heavily be involved with what God's doing here. Um, instead of just feeling like they're they're giving to something and they don't really know what's happening. Like they really are both through prayer um, and through support, a part of what God's doing um, here and a part of encouraging me. So there is something so I can speak on the other side of that. Uh, there is something special about uh, personally giving to a person doing ministry overseas. Like I've told Rachel based off whether we went to college with them, I've gone to church with them, or we personally support them, we could pretty much yeah. do a worldwide vacation and like stay with all the people. <laughs> like it'd be fun to do that one time. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a really, it's a special connection to go, you know, like we are, we're serving the Lord in this together. Like we are called to this, uh, this ministry together. It's um, very cool. Um, so, you are single, you are a woman, has singleness or being a woman, has that, has there been obstacles like that you may not see? I'm, I'm kind of asking this question in ignorance because I've told you this before, when I was in ministry, the only obstacle I had was uh, when I was single, I just, I had a pastor tell me, hey, we're not going to hire you while you're single. And, and then I ended up getting married shortly after I found a ministry mm -hmm. position. So I wouldn't say I really walked a lot of obstacles with that as a single man and quickly married man as a single woman have you had to face certain obstacles because you are single or because you're a woman and what are those how, how have you navigated them how what have you put in place to help uh, make those successful and strengths rather than weaknesses mm. yeah no great question um it might be easier for me actually to start on the opposite end of that question which is um the the strengths i guess of it okay. and then i can move into the the difficulties too but i just um there are definitely yeah i think that's important to to talk about as well i think you know there's real beauty i've worked with many couples um mm -hmm. during my time on the field it's often been me with teams of of couples and um it's been really cool blessings that we both bring um through just like two people are differently gifted and that we as units are gifted differently um, and have different um, abilities and different time constraints or lack thereof with time constraints when it comes with um, investing in people um, and different things. And so I've really seen how both um, them as a couple and the constraints that that brings, you know, to their lives and thus to their ministry um, can both serve them and hinder them at times um and then also as a single and like one of those specific strengths um that i saw really clearly i think on my last project but was just that my connections with people um came much qu very quickly um because i was able to spend a lot more time with people than maybe a couple or a family is on the field and because even French people would kind of take me in like this, like, you know, they saw me as like this poor little single lonely human, you know, <laughs> that like needs to be like let in. But because I'm just one person and not a whole family, I'm not like an overwhelming thing to bring in yeah. either. Um, and so like the weakness of that has also been of like being seen maybe this way, you could say, or um, and there's definitely weakness in that. There's definitely the struggle of um loneliness and there's definitely the struggle of um i'd say even just lacking kind of a partner in ministry at times mm -hmm. or a vis-a-vis -vis. um sorry that was french <laughs> um someone that you know um is on your level that you can process things with 
Um, we're we're okay if you speak French every once in a while. You may have to. Yeah, you may have to give me the subtitles later, but that's fine. Yeah. And so with all of that, I just say personally, probably there's been a battle of um, because I don't have these rhythms that are built into my life that I might have if I were a couple, if I were in a couple or if I were in a family, um, trying to build in rhythms for myself um, amidst the amidst a ministry that's um, constantly changing and has weird, crazy hours and all different things. And also having to be more attentive to my own my own needs too, and inviting intentionally other people to be in my life and to speak in in those areas too, because I don't have someone there um, that I'm regularly doing life with that can kind of give me that feedback. Um, on another level, I guess I feel really there's definitely roles um, on teams that. Um, I don't think I'd be invited to play. I think some of that depends on which team we're on. I feel um, really blessed that as a part of World Team, we are about empowering women and women as, as leaders. Um, and so that has been cool. And I think in a lot of ways, I felt really built up um, by uh, my leadership and being willing to be trained um, and equipped. Um, I'd say sometimes maybe it's even wives that get left behind a little bit more because we often are ready to train the the man and then I get treated almost like a man at times <laughs> um you know as the the head of my unit so to yeah. speak um and maybe sometimes we neglect um what um some of the the wives of my teammates have to bring to the table um so as a woman I think there's um yeah there's that factor too I I love that you have that eyesight because I, I think uh, wives of husbands that are pastors, because uh, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to speak for my wife, but I think you just touched on something that she would probably agree with uh, in the fact that it, there is a lot of focus. Like if the husband is the, the focal point of the ministry, is the pastor, whatever, uh, it's easy to forget that there's another person there. And mm -hmm. because you're the single, you are the one that's noticed. Uh, and so mm -hmm. you get treated like the unit versus that's an interesting dynamic that I have not totally thought about, but I, my wife would be like, yes, that's it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and I guess, and one other piece I think I'd add is that, you know, that does mean that a lot of the times I'm, I am sitting at a table with a bunch of married or single men mm -hmm. and me. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I'm not carrying the same role in a team, maybe that that they are. And personally, I'm okay with that. So, um, yeah, I believe in that. And I'm okay with that. And my callings and my giftings don't, don't cause me to really rub in that in a wrong way um, mm -hmm. with that, as I believe that could be the case um, for some women. Um, but that does mean that sometimes I am the outside voice. And I do okay. find that I have to learn how to um, speak my mind um, in a way that can be heard and received by them and not just written off as Nicole is the a single person. So she has this extra, you know, emotional need or something, or she's a woman. So that's like why she sees this this way, or she's like an American. So like, this is why. And so there is this piece of yeah, bringing them along and helping them to see how the concepts really are biblical and not just Nicole's opinion um, is definitely something that I have to be intentional about. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I've been in, I've been at churches too, where I will have people go, I think you need a few more women in the room with you too. <laughs> and I would say I've learned that over the years. Uh, I've learned that. Uh, so we have something that we say at our church where we say you can only see the two walls in front of you and you need to invite other people in that see things differently. So you can see the two walls that are behind you within the room mm -hmm. called whatever that organization, ministry, event, whatever that is. And so I think that's, that's the value that gets brought into a situation like that is you get to help people see other walls. And that's, that's what you're describing right there. Yeah. 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 What is, uh, what's, what are like one, two, three things that you wanted to be in France, you were ready, you're passionate about going, 
and then you got there and you're like, whoa, I didn't expect this. Uh, like what were like one, two, three things that you, it caught you off guard maybe on a cultural level or just uh, some, some different dynamics from America to France? From America to France. Um, well, the first thing that sticks out, I'm not sure if it's exactly where you're headed, but I'm going to go there, um, is um, I think just the cultural adaptation process in yeah. general. Um, it's maybe less specifically um, France. I think I had had a special um, situation as well, like I said, where I had come to France now several times before my move. So there were maybe less shocking and I had spent a lot of time learning about France before I came and asking lots of questions. Um, so I experienced less shock, so to speak, in the way that we normally think of culture shock, right? What we okay. think of when I say culture shock probably is when you step off the plane and um, you can ask my mom who had this experience when she first came, you know, and she sees French signs around her and nobody's speaking English. They're speaking French and a bunch of other languages she's never heard and she doesn't know what to do, you know? And, um, but culture shock really is so much more than that. That's like level one of like, I don't know how many levels, um, but often it's said that culture shock is a process that lasts about seven years. So okay. in being here for five and a half going on six um, years now, um, I'm still not <laughs> at the end of that process, but I look forward to it <laughs> um, with, uh, with hope. And, um, uh, and so, but what that's meant for me, and I think part of the hardest piece of that, um, which I'd like to think is a few years back now, but I think there's still pieces of it at play, is um, what I call a period of identity crisis <clears throat> okay. in my life, um, where I am a person that's very quick um, in who I am. I, I tend to adapt to situations very quickly. And so the process for me of understanding deeply and adapting to French culture came very fast. Okay. Um, but then after a bit, there was this um, kind of pushback of, okay, but where's Nicole in this? I can be French, <laughs> I can be American, and at the root, I'm the same person, right? But what does it look like to, to be Nicole, to really feel like myself as well in this place? Um, and, and, and both in the sense of, you know, it is my goal to assimilate to this culture um, and to, but for the purpose of being able to model what it looks like to walk like Jesus mm. in this culture. And I think that's the, one of the really challenging things as a missionary or just as an overseas worker is um, being able to recognize and value things in both cultures, your host culture and your sending um, culture or native culture mm -hmm. um, that are both being able to identify positive and negatives um, on both sides. Um, but this question of starting to pick through and identify um, which pieces are really just a part of culture and they're not neither bad nor good um, and which pieces need to be transformed and represented differently mm -hmm. um, to live out the gospel um, in a visible way. And for me, that, that process of going, where is myself in this? And then turning that into what does it look like to walk like Jesus mm. um, in the midst of this? Um, that was pretty, yeah, pretty heavy, but something I did not expect. So would you say like, uh, so um, am I trying to transform them into Jesus or is that just an American thing and I'm trying to get them to act more American? Like how, did you have to walk through that at all? Sure. Yeah. And even, and then I guess what I'm saying is even first and foremostly with myself, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, of I'm in this place and I want to, you know, assimilate with French culture so that I can be understood here, mm -hmm. right? So that I can connect with people so that I can all of these things, but also with the main goal of showing what, who, who Jesus is, which means that in some ways I need to look French because otherwise they just go, oh, she's American. She's different. I don't understand. <laughs> right. Um, but that also means that I need to be French in a way that's um, transformed by the gospel. What, so what is one thing that you, uh, have 
learned or, or know about French culture that you have just fallen in love with, where you're just like, oh, I love this so much about French people? Yeah, 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 yeah. Two things come to mind, actually. Um, one is just um, their love of like beauty and their appreciation of like of beauty and mm -hmm. art and culture so um, is something that's that's really taught me a lot, actually, to be honest. Um, I, I don't think I had, even though I played an instrument before coming and I liked some art things and stuff, but I really didn't have this like high appreciation and value and meaning um, behind art, um, art culture. And so that's, yeah, definitely something that I, that I appreciate. And I think like there's so much of the gospel in that too, because our God is an artist. <laughs> He's a creator. Um, and so that's been a different challenge to me to, yeah, to think through what it looks, what it looks like to tap into that, um, I just, while that side of who that is. right before you say your second one, I just yeah. finished a book called the hospitable leader by Terry Smith. And okay. in one chapter, he talks about how beauty is being hospitable because we have a God that loves beauty. Sometimes you just need to do mm -hmm. things because it's beautiful. And so when you're saying that, I'm like, oh, I just like I, I and yeah. I, I loved that chapter. I was like, I need to appreciate beautiful things more. Uh, and that's what you're saying. They just appreciate beauty, which is so yeah. cool. That is such a cool thing. Uh, what, what was no, your second that. one? Yeah we talk about in our project, even now a big word for us is the generosity of God. Yeah. And I think it's linked to what you just said, you know, in that, you know, God didn't create two, three, four, five, ten 10 types of flowers for us to see. He could have, you know, just created a couple and that would have been beautiful and fine, but he created thousands, you know, yeah. for us to look at and enjoy that his, his generosity and his bounty. Yeah. Is displayed in that. And it, those, that generosity lets us have, transcendent moments with God, just looking mm -hmm. at the beauty of God and the beautiful things that people can create as a result of God's creation. We just have this moment with God. We're like, oh, man, this is so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. And then I guess it tags off of that a bit, but maybe the second one is probably just um, the our culture around food. Um, so not only the enjoyment of food, but the fact that, um, you know, in France, there are many aspects of relationships that take more time and that are harder um, than relationships and in general, uh, in general in America. Um, that's for sure. But one thing that I really appreciate relationally is that when we gather around a table for a meal, um, we sit there for hours. Okay. <laughs> and that's because, and we have these deep, um, conversations with each other and really connect and coming from America where I too am totally guilty of sitting in front of a TV and watching something while I eat dinner on occasion. And sometimes that's exactly what you need. So I'm not um, putting that down, but this beauty of, you know, when we gather that it really is about, you know, connecting and talking and being present um, yeah. together for, for hours. And so that's something too that I appreciate. That's cool. One of this is going to sound such American. I feel so bad for any French people that would listen to this, me say this, but my favorite Pixar movie is Ratatouille. And so as you're, as you're saying it, I, I got all the pictures in my head of the, of the movie. So. Yeah, no, cooking as a big part has become an increasingly large part um, of my ministry here. And similarly to what you're saying about art too, I had, when I shared with a French pastor a year or so ago, part of my vision in starting a couple of these new cooking projects for ministry, he shared this little story of um, basically how someone came to Christ through the fact that this Christian woman visiting her kept bringing her like fresh homemade bread. And she was just so overwhelmed by the love and generosity of this woman to not just like you know, bring her like any bread or whatever, but it was always this like hot, fresh, homemade bread out of her oven and how, you know, it was just, yeah, overwhelming goodness out of her way, goodness. Um, so, yeah. Can have powerful moments through those things. So how do you, uh, what are some things that you do and try to put boundaries or put in place to keep yourself healthy, take care of yourself, 
whether it's mentally, physically, spiritually, what are some things that you do? Yeah. Um, first of all, I'll just say that great question. Um, boundaries have been a keyword in my life the last few years, um, which means that I've thought about them a lot and I have mastered them not enough. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I guess I'd say just in general, I, yeah, I've been on a journey for sure of having, I'm not someone that has great boundaries set up. And in a job like ministry, and I'd say probably even more so overseas and even not that, even the type of organic and very vague, someone could say from time to time work that, that I'm in, that I've become yeah, increasingly aware of how necessary it is to have healthy boundaries um, in my life. And at the same time, all of that, um, makes putting them in that much more confusing and complicated um, as well. So definitely something that I am still working through. I will say that um, I I know that I need my time with the Lord <laughs> um, in the morning, um, and I often have rather late evenings. So a boundary for me means that I have a couple of days a week where my day starts a little no later than normal so that I can really have extended peaceful um time with the lord um and um another thing for me is um fixing my sabbath even though that doesn't always look like it being on sunday in fact normally it's not on sunday and sometimes it's mo mobile and gets switched to different days during the week but still that i am yeah taking time off to really just do nothing and spend time with with the lord um so those are two big things. Um, I've also been working these last few years, as I had mentioned a bit before, as being a single, but that awareness of, you know, how we need people speaking into, for any of us, for all of us, I think it's mm -hmm. true. We all need people speaking into our lives, but mm -hmm. how as a single and in a somewhat isolating context, like I am, how intentional I have to be um, about that. So setting up appointments with those people, whether they're mentors and spiritual advisors, or even just Christian friends to get together with, regularly and make time um, for that. And I'd say another big one for me is setting every couple of months a time where I can um, kind of commit several days to the Lord, whether it's staying in Paris or going to a friend's house or yeah, getting away for a couple of days, but where I can really um, take time to process with the Lord and kind of reflect um, on all the ways that he is working in my life and ministry and kind of reset my eyes on him um, for the phase ahead and, you know, ask questions like, do I need to change things? And do I need, you know, an additional boundary <laughs> um, during these next couple of months ahead? So taking time to listen to him, I think is huge. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I have to do that as well. And uh, I guess the strength that I have or the benefit that I have is I got three kids too that'll let dad know pretty quickly you know, like you, I think you need to sleep more. <laughs> They'll call me out quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not right. <laughs> yeah. You're not normal, dad. Um, yeah. What is one tool that you are so glad that you had here at the beginning of this, your ministry? Like it could, you could have gained it before you came to France. You could, it could have been something that you picked up in your short, short-term time in France. It could be something that you just mm -hmm. learned early on where you're like, I'm going to use this. If I do this for another 50 years, I'm going to use this. This was so good that it, it showed up in my life. During um, my first internship, um, so the first summer that I was in France, I was invited by a friend um, to meet a bunch of her friends and kind of hang out with them and stuff for the weekend. And I really saw this as a huge opportunity for to get to share the gospel um, with these friends and, um, and with her even. And um, as I began really praying about the opportunity that God was giving for me, giving me and asking for, you know, the, the confidence and that he would kind of bring up um, this in conversation and all these different things, I realized that um, I was terrified. I was really terrified. And, um, and in the end, um, this weekend came through and what happened is with my friend, 
God brought up the gospel like eight different times in eight different conversations in like two days to the point that I'm sitting there with the Lord in my head going like, God, this person, like, like I was praying also that you would like make me attractive to this person. And like, this is not cutting it. Like, she's not going to like me after these two days. Like, what do you think you're doing? Bringing the gospel up eight times in two days. (laughs) And, um, and I just remember the Lord being like, do you believe that this is good news? Because the irony is that at the end of that weekend, my friend being a French person who tends to really not show emotion, especially in public in such a vulnerable way, cried when Mm. she put me on the train to leave and said, you know, Nicole, I was looking forward to seeing you. We weren't that close, you know, but I wasn't, I I didn't expect it to be this rich and this meaningful. And I've had more meaningful conversations Mm. with you than, than I've ever had with anyone. And yeah and the lord really was he was like nicole this is it's good news i am attractive do you believe Mm -hmm. that what you have to share with people that it's good you're inviting them into something beautiful and that's something that as i live a life that's you know hugely evangelism focused um now but that um that that has really stuck with me of and influences you know the bible studies that i design and create for people as well as just my everyday interactions with people um and that i have to speak into myself um regularly um but it's just that god invites us that's his message he's inviting us he's giving us this beautiful invitation to participate in something it's not he's not this god that we so often think of as um you know coming and and delivering um punishment and bad news to people he's coming at us with love and with something beautiful um to offer and so that's yeah that's definitely helpful to me with that you've mentioned this uh before i want i want to kind of push a little bit even more in this about uh you, you said god invites us in and that he wants to work in us could you speak to some of that like what does it look like for God to invite you into what he's doing and then work in you to the point that it, it literally starts coming out of you? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, I think it's often said that, um, you know, when people step into ministry, whether it's short term or long term or et cetera, um, you know, they go, well, I was willing to go and serve, but I didn't anticipate how much, you know, work God was going to do in me mm-hmm. in the process. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's so true that that really is the biggest, most important part of being in ministry. And I think that's something the Lord keeps reminding me of and convicting me of as well is just that, you know, the most important thing that I can do is be someone who's being transformed by him like that's my first requirement and every day is you know am i walking with the lord and inviting him in to transform me and to speak into me today because really that's that's the qualifying factor for being in ministry or being involved with what god's doing in our lives is you can add in all of the other trainings and skills and they're valuable i'm not putting those um aside we need to be you know well trained um I think seeking that and seeking personal development in all of these different areas is wise and helpful, but we can't lose sight of the fact that our first qualification is being someone who is embodied by the Holy Spirit and who is inviting that Holy Spirit to transform them from the inside out every day. Mm. Uh, Yes, I agree with that. How about the person? This is going to be true of somebody listening or watching. They're going to be going. That has been happening with me, and I'm I'm feeling like I'm supposed to check out ministry, maybe even overseas ministry. Like, what do I do with this? Like, what is the? What would you encourage some people to do that are like? I I think I want to test the waters on this. How do you? How would you encourage people to do that? Yeah, great question. Um, definitely not, you know, one clear path, I don't think for anyone. So I'll just throw out a couple of random things. Um, one, something that I often say is uh, like 
great, you're willing to go across the world. Are you willing to walk across the street? Yep. Um, because it's true that, and, and I, I'm doing overseas ministry, right? So I'm not putting down that side of that need that exists, a true need that exists in any way. Um, but as we were talking at the beginning and I'm going, you know, I'm where I am because my neighbors and the people I cross paths with will never know the gospel unless someone tells them, yeah. right? That's ultimately the story. And so, um, there is this reality that, you know, going across the world is, can be exciting, right? <laughs> at least for a bit. I mean, it's also terrifying and, you know, we just talked about identity crisis. I could throw a couple of other things in there. Um, but um at the end of the day the excitement kind of boils away <laughs> and you're kind of stuck with something that looks a lot like making yourself so uncomfortable in a lot of situations like walking across the street and talking to your neighbor mm -hmm. um plus the stress um of living in a different culture and trying to figure out what that looks like there and maybe being isolated um from a lot of support and so that's again not at all to push down on the second one but i'd say yeah. a great way to um to really take steps into this is going what can you do where you are you know what would it look like to start stepping out of your comfort zone with the lord where you are and building that faith muscle there because it will also serve you if he does carry you somewhere else um the second thing i would say is um well, obviously, right, and should have been the first one probably, um, but yeah, pray about that and explore that and invite him in to open up opportunities and um, and lead you um, in that. And um, and one way thing that can help you in that is you know process with someone. So I would you know you can ask people that have been in your life for a long time if they see the like what they see in you and if that makes sense with the story God's writing in your life. Um, you could reach out to different missions organizations and a lot of them have people called um, like mobilizers or coaches that can kind of help you process and just think about what um, what that might look like um, for you or even someone like me talk to a talk to a missionary and someone who's on the field um, and find out more um, about what that could look like as well. Um, I think I mean right yeah. there. What you're bringing out is uh, start in Jerusalem before you start worrying about the ends of the earth, right? Like mm -hmm. you can pray for the ends of the earth. If you want to, if that's a place where you're wondering where to go, start with your Jerusalem. Like what are you doing in Jerusalem before you go to Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth? Yeah. 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 Cause like I said, it, it often, it looks exciting and it is, but really I think all ministry is really exciting because the Lord is working in it, you know, because he's working in us and because he's working in it, not in the end of the day, it's really not <laughs> a question of where it is that makes it exciting or not. It's being in the, in the journey um, with him. And like I said, it's true that, um, you know, he will teach us things through what we're doing, where we are that will help carry us to the next place. So. Yeah. What would you say to, so, that's more on the the starting path. There's there are other individuals that may be listening that are just like I think I'm done. Like I like and and maybe specifically on the discouragement side where they're just like get me out. I just I've had enough. Mm. What's a piece of encouragement that you would want to give to them where the, um where they just may be having a bad day more than just a bad life or a bad ministry. It just it may be a bad day. What kind of encouragement would you give mm -hmm. them as they're having their bad day today? Say the Lord is with you. Our God in his presence is, is with you. He's with me. And um, I think so often, and I, I know this for myself, I can get so caught up in, in what I'm doing and then my ability to do that well, even if it's just however I'm defining serving the Lord <laughs> um, at the moment, um, can often be my source of... Um, of sadness and of being down, how well is Nicole doing whatever. And um, I think the reminder of how gracious God's presence is to us and the fact that he's sitting there with us and there's often no right or wrong in a lot of the situations that we face 
um, but there's just needing more of him. Mm. Um, and I also think that same truth extends, like you said, to the bigger question of someone who's looking at, you know, am I, am I done? Am I stepping out? Am I moving on? And I think in that too, often we have, we have pressure on people that are in ministry that have said, this is my calling and I'm doing this. So now what happens when I say I'm done? Um, I think the beauty of it is that callings change at different phases of life and sometimes without much notice. Um, and... that, was, that was so good. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's true. Sometimes without much notice and sometimes um, yeah, in ways that, you know, we really didn't see coming or that don't make sense, um, to us. And I think, you know, if we really believe that any calling, um, any job, so to speak, or life path is really just as valuable, um, as the next and that the, the meaning again is coming from, like we were just saying, it's not about, are you doing ministry in Jerusalem or to the ends of the earth? It's about the thing that God's working in it. And I think the same is true with our callings, you know, being um, a great nurse for the Lord or a great teacher for the Lord or a great mechanic for the Lord um, is just as valuable as being a missionary <laughs> or a pastor um, because that's what he called you to and that's what he's going to work through. And so if as missionaries and those in full-time ministry, if we truly believe that, then we can also free ourselves from the pressure that this has to be my calling um, forever. Because even in another, in another calling that might not, um, that we tend to maybe not value enough in the church, to be honest, or talk about enough, um, that I believe that God can work just as much through that um, as he has through where I am now. Yeah, yeah that was really good. Who, who are some mentors that just, as you were growing up, as you've been in ministry, wherever you want to go with it, who are some mentors that just stood out to you uh, that really impacted you uh, and, and really shaped who you've become uh, in Jesus and mm -hmm. in, in, in France? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, the first one that I mentioned in my um, journey to ministry story is um, Lisa Wells, so you know her from, from our church as well, but I actually accepted Christ um, with Lisa, so I knew her from a <laughs> young age of 11, yeah. um, so she was there for the whole journey, um, but she was definitely someone who, um, as I grew up in my faith, really challenged me not just to enjoy the richness of Christ for myself, but to try to start to find ways to step out and to share that um, with other people, even as a high schooler. Um, you know, what did it look like to be aware of the needs of others around me and not just my own growth um, in the Lord, so to speak. Um, and yeah, and she was one of the people that identified that calling in me. So that was pretty big. Um, there's also um, another woman from, from our church as well who has invested in me a lot um, during that same time, but more so on a, a learning to give God my full self um, and learning to be honest um, with God and, and work through feelings and really all aspects of life um, with him. And, um, and then I'd say here in France, there's a woman who's been on the field um, who also came as a single missionary and is still here as a single missionary and who I've looked up to since my first um, internship. And she is really a, um, a prayer warrior um, for, for our ministry here in France and well, for many other things as well. And, um, and so I've learned a lot from her about what it looks like to keep a faithful perspective to view <laughs> things through faith lens. Um, because sometimes we have to <laughs> search hard for those things and also, yeah, how to really take all of our concerns, um, and lay them at the Lord's feet and trust him to do the work that we can't do. Um, and I think for, I think that's, that's huge. We want to, we want to put all that on our shoulders, but learning to, to pray and to learn how to, um, take this weight off and lay it at the Lord's feet so it's been really valuable to me 
what are two or three books that maybe you give them out maybe you just can't you can't help but not just talk about them uh what sure. are yeah what are some books that have just stood out and you you're just like you got to read this if you haven't um well speaking of giving them out what happens at my house is that um i do give them out <laughs> and then sometimes i forget they even exist um, or i at least don't have them here today to go hey look this is where this is because someone literally has it right now oh. um but the first one i would say it's called a similar topic to what i was just talking about it's a, it's a praying life a praying okay. life by paul miller okay um and this is a book that i read as an intern and that i've used with many interns since um but he does a great job of going into scripture and really unraveling what is prayer how do we pray what is the power and purpose uh, and role of prayer um and even deeper into um the intimacy that we have um, through prayer um, to to have it, yeah to have this connection um, with God and how prayer can actually help us to see our lives through His eyes. Mm. Um, and so, speaking of steps for someone who's looking at going into ministry, it's a great one to process through because it will help you go back and go, how has God been at work through my life? Okay, and you know where might He be taking me next? I, I have not read that. I'm going to have to get that one. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one, um, for sure. Um, a new favorite of mine is, um, which I do have a copy of here, is Gentle and Lowly um, by Dane Ortland, which you've probably heard I, so, a lot of. Everyone's favorite at the moment. Yeah, I have not read it. You are yeah. not, you are not the first person to say it. So I am gonna have to read this very, very soon. <laughs> well, I think, I, okay, it could be wrong but i want to say anyway it was really big in the uk as well and so i think we got it kind of quickly here because of that um but um anyway but he does a, a great job of just reminding us of who god is and what his heart is really all about mm -hmm. and as i was just talking about you know how we can get so lost and so focused in the do's and don'ts of christianity or especially in christian work of what am i doing or what should i be doing for the lord um, and it's really all about Jesus is there to sit with us, <laughs> whether it's going well <laughs> or not well at all. Um, this is really the heart of Jesus. And I think not only the encouragement that is to our own souls, but then learning how to share that same grace with others. And like I was just saying, you know, coming alongside someone who's not doing well and just being able to offer the comfort of the fact that God's sitting next to you, crying with you. Mm -hmm. right now that's really the heart of our god not sitting waiting for you to act or do the right thing or all these different things but crying and mourning with you in this pain um i think it's something we all need to learn how to do all right um, i i promise i will read this in the next few months i'm gonna check back in and you're you're allowed hold me accountable homework yeah <laughs> Um, and then the last one, which is kind of a series, actually, okay. um, is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And okay. he has other ones. So I've moved on to Emotionally Healthy Leadership and Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. They're by Peter Scazzaro. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, and kind of similarly to The Gentle and Lowly, I think, you know, in the church, we've often been uncomfortable with this idea of emotions. Mm -hmm. But they're part of who we are. God created us with them for a reason. They serve a purpose in our lives. They influence what we do a heck of a lot. So there's something that we have to learn to process. We have to learn how to take them to the Lord. Um, we have this beautiful invitation is what I should say to take them to the Lord and this beautiful freedom. Um, yeah, to be able to do that. And there's some, you know, boundaries and different things kind of within that too. Like how to like with discipleship, like how do you raise up disciples that are living out their faith, like that are serving and a part of things because they want to and because they're being transformed by Christ and not because you're guilting them or shaming them into serving the Lord and pulling their weight in the church. Um, so it's all about, yeah, the healthiness kind of, of, first ourselves, but spreading out into, um, the church as a whole. Every single person that walks through the doors of your church or that walks through the doors of your house that you're going to have a spiritual impact on 
walked in with an emotion. Yeah. Amen. To, to treat to treat anyone like they don't have them is just not starting in the right place. Yeah, but how often, Tim, how often have we seen that? That it's so easy to go, oh, just put your feelings away. Or, you know, someone comes in, we go, oh, okay, well, we're just gonna, you know, we know you're sad, but we just have to do this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we just go into fix it mode and we yeah, we it's something we're not comfortable with for sure. I, so you know this about where I'm at. So we we yeah. set up and tear down every week in a school. And I try to, I've said this for years and years. I've been here for almost seven years. I've said this for years. We have adults and students that are walking into the school that got bullied in this classroom, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. hated that teacher that taught mm -hmm. them whatever. They hated that subject. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they work here and it's just like, I don't want to go to work again. Like they're walking in with all those emotions. What are we doing that when they hit the doors, that's not the emotion they experience, but they actually experience something else wow. that prepares them to hear from Jesus. That mm. That's what we're battling each week. But even when we get a building like and we're not mobile anymore, that's still going to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even I had no idea where you were going with that because um, that's beautiful. I just want to say, first of all, but the second thought that I had as you were saying that and talking about teardown, you know, week in and week out. And I was thinking of the volunteers because I was just talking about volunteers that, you know, that are doing that work. And I think, you know, that's something too, like when we have these needs, um, which happens in the church, the church is a needy place. And um, especially you come to a location like mine where the church is so small that there's, there's a lot of heavy needs. Um, and you know, it is so easy to be so demanding of our people or even of ourselves, you know, if I'm going to step in and I'm going to take care of this because this thing has to be done. And I think that too goes back to our piece of um, faith of going, you know, there, there's so much to do on our field. There's always more that I could do around me. There's never a shortage that leads to plenty of discouragement. Don't you worry. But um, to go, I'm going to trust that I'm going to do the things that God put on my plate for me to do today, because often it's up to me to really write and decide how my time is spent. And I'm going to trust that all of these other things, if they really need to be done, and if they're really that important, God's going to bring someone in to fill that, or we're going to find another way around it. It's not something I have to put on myself or on others. Yeah. 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 I, my cousin's a pastor uh, in the Midwest in here in America. And, uh, uh, I, I was sharing that with him one time where I was like, man, you know, if we could just get this, I think things would get better. And he'd like, yeah. And then you're going to find the next thing that you need to make things. But he's like, it doesn't end Tim. I'm like, that's true. It does not end. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus plus all of these. Yeah. Lovely conveniences. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah. Cool. Um, where can people find you? If they wanted to reach out and go, I just want to, like, got, it, it pricked my heart or something, where could they reach out to you? And you can also find me on Facebook. Um, and I have kind of a, a private group on Facebook um, with people that are interested in ministry updates and different things. So you can message me and I'd love to to um, connect with you through that as well. Um, but yes, if you email me, I can both um, just connect to you on a personal level and um, there too, you can be added to my ministry uh, newsletter list if that's something you're interested in. Cool. And if you're interested in supporting, I I'm gonna say it for you. So yeah, if you're interested in financially supporting her, uh, jump into that too. Uh, anything else that you would like to add in that maybe we didn't cover? Um, no, I think we covered everything that's on my mind today. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We went to a lot of really yeah. fun places. Yeah, no, it was good. Yes. <clears throat> well, cool. Thank you so yeah, much, no, Nicole. I have greatly appreciated having you. I know this is going to impact a lot of lives. Uh, there's a lot of younger people even out there that are working through the same things that I think it's going to really challenge and comfort. Mm, thank you. And I guess that is maybe the one thing I would just add is 
is I do love connecting with people that like to learn more or that are interested, whether they're interested in France or even just anywhere at all. And I'm helping working through that question. So if that is you, I would love to connect with you. So don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. Thank you for your time, Nicole. Yes. Thank you, Tim. This all right. Great. We'll see you later. Bye. I don't know how to describe that interview better than it was just beautiful. Uh, I loved how she just was so focused on doing ministry with Jesus and letting him just work through you and, and being in step with the Holy Spirit. And, and I, I got my title for this episode because of the interview. I did not know it was going to go in that direction. Uh, but coming out of that interview, I just was like, that. she just kept talking about that there's a beautiful invitation that God wants to partner with us in, and that's just ministry. And sometimes it's so easy to forget that as you're doing the day-to-day -day stuff. It's easy to just forget that God, Jesus himself, is beautiful. He himself is valuable, and he wants to partner with us, and he wants to do his ministry through us. Uh, and it's so easy to forget that, and yet we just have to keep walking open-handed and let God do what he does in our lives because it, be, it, it really does create beauty around us. Uh, and it was amazing to have that conversation with her. I hope that was an encouragement to you because it should have been. It should have been an encouragement to you, maybe a reminder. I know it was a reminder to me uh, to not forget some of those simple, beautiful things about serving Jesus. Thank you so much for listening in uh, today. I hope it was encouraging to you. Looking forward to the upcoming interviews. Uh, I have a standalone coming up. Uh, and then I'm going to be, in the month of May, I'm going to be interviewing my wife. Uh, it's a big deal because I didn't expect her to do this, uh, but she wanted to. And she wanted to kind of share some of our life in ministry. And so we're going to have a good interview with that here in a couple episodes. Looking forward to all of that. Make sure you like, subscribe write reviews, do all those things. It massively helps. It may seem so simple. It may seem like, eh, it's just a couple minutes. Maybe I just won't do it. It is a massive help to do all of those things, whether it's on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you at, wherever you wherever you at, wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, wherever you're doing this. Uh, thank you so much. And I appreciate all of you around the world. I hope that I can bring more of the international flavor as this thing keeps going. Thank you so much for participating in this as well. And I hope to see you next time. 